0: Ladies and
1: gentlemen, kicking off the first stop on his world tour, our new president and prophet, Russell M. Nelson!
2: You say you want some revelation, well here you go.
1: Greetings brothers and sisters, welcome to the weekly Mormon News Roundup where Rebecca, Landon, and d bays are going to ruminate on the Great and Spacious Beehive. This is episode 71 and it's August 6th. Laurie Daybell has been sentenced, Patricia Holland has been laid to rest, and we're going to cover now that church magazines, they're free. The LDS Church has filed a second lawsuit in this in Cody, Wyoming, for the temple, and a Mormon missionary has tragically died, opening his mission call. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm at mormonnewsroundup.org, or you can send me an email to Mormon, uh, www.mormonnewsroundup.org. I'd like to invite onto the program Rebecca and Landon, how's it going, guys?
3: Good. Great. Hi. How are you this morning? Hey. I'm
1: better than I deserve. So, what's uh, what's been going on with the Good Book Club? What are you guys up to these days?
3: Oh my goodness. What aren't we up to, right? Well, we are celebrating our third year anniversary, which is amazing of the Good Book Club. And so, just voted on a bunch of new books um, that we're going to be reading for the coming season. Our book, um, our book club meeting. Our monthly book club meeting for August is actually next Sunday at 11 a.m. Mountain Time, and we're reading a book all about the history of language. So if anybody wants to join us, find us on Facebook and come join us.
1: Yeah, and also you guys have the Mormonish podcast. Well, can you tell us, uh, Landon, what's going on with the Mormonish podcast? What what do you have lined up for that?
0: Uh, Yeah, we've actually got several uh, very large uh, viewed uh, episodes that we've just been doing, uh, especially with Dr. John Lundwall. Uh, we just released another one Friday that had gone really large. It's a really interesting uh, look into uh, Book of Mormon uh, archaeology through the lens of uh, oral versus written societies and how they think. And that's really been a, a huge uh, uh, hugely viewed episode. So take a look at that. Uh, it's getting rave reviews and everybody wants more of Dr. John Lundwell. Uh, so it's a great one to look up.
1: I did watch that entire episode. That was a fascinating episode. I watched every single minute of it. Tremendous work. Really interesting. It's it's kind of a, an avenue that no one has really explored before. And it's kind of like, how did we miss looking at this for so many years? I'm just, you know, how is this guy know all of this information? And somehow we missed it. All of the best minds in Mormonism seem to have missed what was very, very obvious. So that, yes, Mormonish podcast, that's very good stuff. And uh, Rebecca, I understand that you do have the Mormon joke of the week.
3: I do. We actually have two jokes because there's two of us. So I'll start with my joke. So a young man is called into the bishop's office and he sits down and the bishop says, Jimmy, you have got to stop masturbating. And Jimmy says, but why, bishop? And the bishop says, because I'm trying to interview you, for starters. Oh,
1: (laughs) Wait a minute. We got the clean label on this on um, podcasting, so that may, you don't um, think
3: that'll fly.
1: I, that may they may, may jeopardize. We may have to uh, put the explicit rating on that one. But uh, okay, Landon, can you clean that up a little bit? Just can you clean it up just a I, little bit? I, I don't think I can. <laughs> yeah, so.
3: You're gonna we have got... to bleep us out the whole whole time.
1: Look what you guys have done. Look what you guys have done. And that does remind me that when I put this uh, thumbnail together, so we've got the Mormon news roundup on the left, going over to Mormonish, and you can see that we're trans uh we're going from bad to better to best you know and that's the, i think that's the way that it works with mormon news round of going to mormonish too it seems to go from left to right from bad <laughs> to better to best that's just been my experience speaking of which lori vallow guys she's in she's back in the news unfortunately here she has uh she's been convicted she's she's uh, gotten, um, is, uh we had the sentencing here in Idaho just a couple of days ago. Sentenced to life in prison for the murder of her two children and for conspiring in the murder of her husband's first wife. That's Tammy Daybell, who Chad um, uh, allegedly murdered here not long ago. And uh, the jury found her guilty on all charges. of was some emotional testimony. Uh, what What are you guys' thoughts here on the Lori Vallow uh, mess?
3: Um, I think nobody was surprised, of course, with her sentence. We knew that the death penalty was off the table. And so I think everyone assumed she would obviously get life without parole. But I think the most interesting thing that people just can't stop talking about was her. You're allowed to make a statement, of course, before sentencing. And she made quite a a lengthy statement um, talking about the afterlife visits from her children, visits from Chad's deceased wife, Tammy, and just um, how the visitations had assured her that everybody is happy and busy. She kept using the word busy, which I thought was interesting because I hear that a lot um, when people describe the afterlife um, in Mormonism when someone has died. Oh, they're busy. They're busily doing missionary work. They're busy, 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 busy bees. So she talked at length about that. Um, I don't know. What did you guys think of that that final statement. A lot of people are are disturbed, um, wondering. It was really interesting.
1: Yeah, Landon, what are your initial thoughts on Lori holiday, though?
0: It it was hard to watch that, actually, that uh, her, it it was almost like a testimony meeting where she was uh, rehearsing all of the people that had appeared to her and how she knew that they didn't uh, blame her and that she was innocent. It was was really hard to watch. It was almost as if uh, she, was giving a testimony to a group of of LDS Latter-day Saints that would understand that, oh, uh, spirits just visit you. That's what happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's good, I guess, that she now has visitors at jail, I guess, because I'm not sure many other people are going to visit her at this point.
1: (laughs) Yes. I'm going to cue that. Actually, I'm going to cue that up here, Landon. I have the full testimony here. Let's watch a little bit of the Lori Vallow's sentence to life in prison. And she was able to make a brief statement, as you alluded to. Let's watch a little bit of that and get your reaction.
2: I would like to start by quoting John from the New Testament in the Bible. In John chapter 8, verse 7, Jesus says, He that is without sin among you, let him cast, first cast a stone at her. Then in first, verse 15, Jesus says, Ye judge after the flesh. I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. Jesus knows me. And Jesus understands me. I mourn with all of you who mourn, my children and Tammy. Jesus Christ knows the truth of what happened here. Jesus Christ knows that no one was murdered in this case. Accidental deaths happen. Suicides happen. Fatal side effects from medications happen. I have a different perspective in life
1: So, uh, yeah, that's basically what what are your thoughts there, Rebecca?
3: Well, it makes me angry because we know those were not the causes of death of her children (laughs) or Tammy. Um, It also shows me that she is just continuing to stick with and I believe can't help but stick with her narrative. You know that it's just this is just mortal life. It means nothing. Their spirits are eternal. Their bodies meant nothing. And she actually had to you know, free them from their mortal bodies so they can continue. I also feel that she is literally setting herself up to be a jailhouse prophetess, much like a Lafferty. I feel like this kind of a testimony is going to resonate with some people that are gonna think she has some incredible connection. And I find that very disturbing and very dangerous because as we know, Dan Lafferty has had effect on people out here. Um, People have died. So I'm concerned by the whole situation still.
1: Uh, I found this uh, sum up here on Twitter and all the Mormons in the courtroom, uh, Lori Vallow says, wow, Lori is so crazy. But um, th- that sounds I-, I can't tell the difference between that and a, uh, a fasting testimony meeting.
0: Yeah, it's it's very much the same. The, the emotion that you felt there, uh, you really felt she believed what she was saying. I couldn't help but believe that she really believed what she was saying. And
1: that was the scary part to me. And I also found this take. Uh, is this a cheap shot here? It says, I don't know what hashtag Desnat is capable of, but I do know what Exmos are capable of. Is that a cheap shot or is that uh, pretty fair?
3: Wow. I'm not sure I even understand what's being said. What do they mean by that?
1: <laughs> I think the idea is that ex-Mormons are evil. They're capable of murder. Oh. Remember, she's been excommunicated. Chad has been excommunicated. Oh, ex-communicated. okay. Okay. So, uh, that's she's my confusion.
3: Ex. She's not an ex-Mormon. Uh, she may have been excommunicated, but she still firmly holds to the very deepest doctrines of the restoration that most mainstream Mormons don't even understand. Multiple mortalities, plural probations, which Mormonish is actually working on an episode on because a lot of people aren't aware. So, no, she's not an ex-Mormon. She was excommunicated. So technically, yes, but her beliefs are even more... Authentic than I think a lot of mainstream Mormons would understand.
1: Yeah, and Landon, this mugshot is getting a lot of traction here. The interle- internet is a light with headlines on the expression in the mugshot. What are you getting from this expression in the mugshot here? Uh
0: wow, I don't I don't know. She's uh she seems pretty uh I I, I don't know. She seems uh, somewhat uh
3: uh, I say confident. I think she looks confident. She's kind of like, uh-huh. Well, this is just this one life of mine and this is how this happened. But don't forget, she believes that she's this eternal being, a priestess. She has a higher mission that none of the rest of us can understand. And this is just part of it. And and we just don't understand this this incredible work that she's doing.
0: Yeah, she looks disgusted that uh, she even has to go through this. Like
3: Yes, like,
1: hmm. Mm. Right. Uh, you know, Radio Free Mormon, he uh, posted this on uh, his uh, Facebook feed, and it says that personal revelation and or divine command are not legitimate basis for truth or morality. There's been a lot of memes that have been put together on her little mugshot there. And of course, this is the most difficult thing about this is that, her testimony is a lot like a fast and testimony meeting it says Jesus has contacted me Jesus has told me what to do um, you know I'm gonna be in the afterlife with my with my kids with my family this is all according to divine plan and you can really not tell the difference except for that she used the word murder in between her a fast and testimony meeting uh, w- w- her, her testimony would fit in perfectly with a fast testimony meeting and that's the problem is if you're trying to discern uh, mysterious voices in your head, Those mysterious voices can lead you to do really, really horrible things. And that's the entire problem with this. Any last thoughts on this, guys?
3: Just sad, really sad overall. And her next trial in Arizona is coming up. And I believe the death penalty is not off the table, perhaps. Um, That will be an interesting trial to follow. And then Chad, of course, in 2024.
1: Absolutely, and if you want to get in touch, uh, we, we want to know your thoughts as well. We're on Instagram. Uh, we're Mormonish is on Instagram. The Mormon News Roundup is on Instagram. Come find us. Let us know your thoughts on Lori Valodaybell. Is uh, are we giving her um, a proper the proper uh, treatment, or do we have some kind of a bias? What are your thoughts on what's going to happen to her and her family? We'd be very interested to know. And uh, our next article here. This is a quick one here. The BYU football season is approaching here, guys, and I saw this in the news here. Florida State university it's considering there's a big uh, there's a theocracy um <laughs> there's some saudi arabian investors who are thinking about backing florida state and giving them a ton of money and this is a kind of a funny tweet there it says florida state is considering becoming the first school backed by a massive theocracy hedge fund theocratic hedge fund which is unprecedented and will change the sport forever well actually byu is already uh the only ma- uh, he- uh, uh football team that is backed by a massive hedge fund and so uh, I guess Florida State is joining BYU when it comes to uh, possibly um, playing football for the Lord. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> yeah.
3: And I feel like probably BYU still beats out Saudi Arabia as far as the amount of money that's backing them in that theocracy. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. I wonder the, the <laughs> or close.
3: I bet it's close. <laughs>
1: yeah. The sovereign hedge fund of Saudi Arabia, I know, has got a lot of money in it. But hey, mm-hmm. Ensign Peak um, doesn't play second fiddle to too many people. So. We'll have to see what happens if they ever uh, meet on the gridiron. And there's also uh, another thing. You know, you guys following the Twitter rebrand? You know, it's excellent. Uh,
3: yep. Yep. X. Absolutely.
1: You know, and Chino Blanco, who he had on the program here, he he said he he tweeted this out here. He he follows Mormon news about as well as anybody, and he says his first thought when I heard about the Twitter rebrand is he said Mormons on Twitter who are now are, are now all technically becoming ex-Mormons, because, Gosh. you know, is Twitter is X. So if you're a Mormon on Twitter, you're technically an ex-Mormon. That seems like an extra, uh, extra large victory for Satan.
3: And if you're an ex-Mormon on Twitter, you're an ex-ex-Mormon. So.
1: Yeah, well, that would be, <laughs> I don't know, a victory for God. Then if you're an ex-ex-Mormon, I'm not
0: sure.
3: Because right. it's a double it's negative. A
1: We don't want to get to triple X. That's where it gets. uh, (laughs) Uh, Yeah, definitely not. Uh, Hey, uh, we're going to hit you fast and furious on this one. This is another one that was in my neck of the woods here. This was uh, released on uh, uh, the Mountain Times, uh, July 31st, 2023. Mormon youth, quote unquote, youth minister accused of raping Leesburg children. This is uh, not far from where I serve my mission. And, uh, you know, Leesburg uh, resident Sean Noble Frost was accused of molesting two boys, according to a $10 million lawsuit. And they, uh, the couple, alleged that Sean Frost molested them while he was babysitting. He cr- committed um, a, hor- a horrific acts here. And the most important thing that's um, that we've come to light on this is that, you know, the uh, J said that the church assigned the Frost as a ministering brother and ministering sister to the couple. And each couple in the church is assigned a ministering brother. But, the, you know, this was uh, all came to light here in April 2021, April 2022. The children were absolutely, um, you know, they began acting very strangely. And, they, you know, it's just a real, another really bad case here that we come come to find out is happening almost every single week we see these type of cases, which is really unfortunate.
3: Yeah, this this story was really disturbing. Um, Landon and I actually kind of read it together over the phone because it was one of the articles that we hadn't reviewed. And And again, what stands out is, you know, these people are assigned to come into the home and you just you just have this trust. You just do. And you just when they describe some of the behaviors of the children, um, you know, Landon and I were going, why didn't the parents? Say? But no, you can't say that because you just you just have this incredible trust um, until it finally gets to a point where you're like, OK, there might be something wrong. But that's very hard for you to realize, oh, these people that I trust, assigned by a religion, an award that I trust you know, maybe acting, acting, you know, in a way that's that's absolutely unconscionable. So a really sad, just an extremely sad article. They're not suing the church, though. I thought that was interesting. It all happened through the church and through that assignment, but they're suing the couple. They're not saying that the church has any culpability in that. So.
1: Yeah. Landon, I just want to read one thing. And this is this is probably one of the worst. There's been a lot of bad sexual abuse cases. But listen yeah. to this from this article. This is one of the worst things I've ever read. It says that Frost, who's the accused here, show, after he sexually abused the children, he showed each of them a gun and threatened to kill them and their family if they told anyone about the sexual abuse that he committed against them. This is this, I, I've never heard of anything like this taking place. This is one of the worst of the worst.
0: Yeah, it it reminds me of uh, uh, Elizabeth Smart when she got uh, taken. That was kind of the threat that was used against her, that they'd harm the family or her sister. So uh, we just recently on Mormonish did an episode with Sam Young, and this really emphasizes the importance of child protection and teaching the other adults in the church to recognize these uh, actions or things that kids might say that are a clue as to what might be going on, so it's really surprising to me that the church isn't adopting the same policies they adopted in the UK as far as child protection here in the US, because it would certainly uh, help with situations like this.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it would have uh, caught this particular situation, but it will catch some situations, and the church, the the article here from the London Times reached out to the church spokesperson, Sam Panrod, and the church spokesperson didn't answer any questions associated with this so they never it seems like whenever there's a case like this then the church just locks it up turns it over the lawyers they never issue anything like you know hey um our hearts reach out to the family we're sorry for what what we've done we've implemented the following procedures we're changing how we're doing operations we're you know gonna Mm -hmm. increase safeguardings it's just a no comment situation and the family is just left um, in shambles holding crumbs and it's just another in a long, long list of these type of things. And especially with the gun situation threatening to murder family members, this is one of the worst cases I've ever seen. Last well, another,
3: I was going to say another thing that they threatened, um, I believe that the man said he had video of some of the things and that he would he would show people, you know, sort of a, a guilting. And that also reminds me of Elizabeth Smart, where they said, well, you can't go back, you know, you're tainted. So there's that whole shame culture around it, too that the children feel that they've done something wrong. So all of it is just a perfect storm for abuse and, and it absolutely needs to stop.
1: Absolutely. Now, our next article here, this was released by The Church News. We already covered that Patricia Holland had um, unfortunately passed away due to complications from long COVID. Now, they, we had her graveside service that happened just this last week where family members gathered um, for... Now, listen to how this is put here from The Church News. Family members gathered For the graveside service of Sister Holland, the wife of Elder Jeffrey R. Holland of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles and a former general officer of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on Saturday morning, July 29th, in the St. George Cemetery. Alanda, let me get your thoughts on this first. What are your initial thoughts about the way that this has been covered?
0: Well, it's almost as if they've completely hijacked her and the church is the most important part of of the entire story. Uh, Rebecca and I were talking as we looked, obviously, as you watch the funeral pictures, uh, she seems to be off to the side during the the ceremony, Uh, but also the fact that uh, it it seemed like the most important thing was the 12 being seated in the front. And then over time uh, that, everything seemed to be about the church and its position. And she seemed to be secondary in her own funeral. And the family seemed to take second fiddle to all of the pomp and ceremony of the church as opposed to uh, it being about Sister Holland.
1: Yeah, what do you think, uh, Rebecca, about it said, Sister Holland, but then it gives Jeffrey, uh, Elder Jeffrey, R. Holland of the 12 apostles of the Church. She's just two names, Sister Holland. He gets the full title.
3: Yeah. Well, that's her identity, unfortunately, um, in the eyes of everybody that's reporting. That's who she is. And and we've talked before about the idea of funerals being hijacked, you know, by the church. Uh, people will come in and speak, but you have no idea who they are. They have to preside. A lot of people, especially in the post-Mormon world, talk about this, how funerals are often taken over. Um, by the church and by church authorities and and this is just that on another level i think so so yeah i've met pat holland before and she was a lovely lovely person absolutely wonderful so i will mourn her as herself without um, her husband's name or the church connection um just a wonderful woman
1: yeah and here's a couple of twitter takes here which i think something's up pretty well number one it says uh from decommissioned telegraph says who is this who is buried was she a real person? Does she have a full name? What did she accomplish in her life? Or did she always live in the shadow of her husband? And here's another one here. Awesome. This woman is always a footnote in the church. The man gets a full name, all initials, full title in the church, and the nameless woman gets, quote unquote, wife. And a couple other takes here. Uh, this is from Curtin McBonkey, which always has, has some uh, theatrical uh, uh I always has some funny takes here. She's telling the my mates that someday, if they remain faithful, they can achieve their dream uh, dreams of being, quote, that important guy's wife. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's. <laughs> and this is probably the most brutal take. I don't know if you guys want me to leave this in or not here, but this is from uh, the heretical hymnal here. Yeah, you're going to have to tell me if I'm going able to show this, but uh, they sang this song at uh, uh, Sister Holland's funeral that some lady died, um, and that they're going to add this to the new hymnal. Some lady died old what's-her-name, like Shirley Mildred Jan. We only know her as husband of a big, important man. Is that a cheap shot, or um, is that pretty accurate? I
0: I would say it's fair. It's pretty accurate that that's how we know her, uh, as well as almost all of the uh, wives of the uh, apostles and general authorities. Uh, They... We we don't know anything about them other than that they married in and they all of a sudden become important simply by the act of marrying one of these
1: people. Yeah. And uh, I showed this to you earlier in the week, Rebecca, where we had. Uh, uh, is it too soon to talk about how studly Elder Holland looks in those Oakleys? Uh, Rebecca, is this is this a studly look or uh, uh, you tell me? <laughs>
3: Oh, I think everybody looks studlier in sunglasses, um, obviously. But now, of course, we're hearing that he is having some health problems. Maybe we'll cover that later on. But, yeah, you know, he's wearing it well. We'll say that.
1: Uh, yeah, we are going to cover some of those health challenges here. Um, we, we, you had mentioned that Elder Holland is not feeling very well and that he has been hospitalized. And Landon, what's going on with that?
0: Yeah, I mean his health has not been well for quite some time, and with the passing of his wife, uh, he was able to make it the funeral. But it sounds like he's hospitalized again, and from what I understand, it's it's pretty serious. He he may not last very long uh, at this point, which really uh, shuffles up the uh, you know the seniority in the uh, in the core of the twelve. I think he's uh, right ahead of Irene, so Irene moves up to become the fourth in line with Ukdorf uh, and Bednar. Uh, Right behind them. So uh, for those who are looking for change with Oopdorf, that becomes a little more um, likely uh, with the passing. And and since the three top uh, members are all over 90 uh, with Ballard, uh, Nelson and Oaks are all over 90, uh, it, it puts a little bit younger crowd coming up behind at this point.
1: Yes, it does. And if you look at this tweet here, Rebecca, look at this tweet here. It says, this saddens me for all the usual reasons. Well, it underscores the need for us to move to a system of emeritus members of the Quorum of the the 15th. Squeezing the very last drops of life out of our senior leaders like a cheap tube of toothpaste is dehumanizing and doesn't serve the church well. What's your reaction?
3: Yeah, I've always said that. Other churches, um, the church, the RLDS, the Church of Christ, they have a system where somebody simply retires. And I absolutely agree. These men deserve to have rest in their final, I don't even want to say final years, just their, le- Years when they're 80, maybe the, maybe the number's 80. I'm not sure, but they definitely need that because as Landon said, we're looking at three um, nonagenarians that are next or two that are next in line until we get to somebody that's 80 who is Ukdorf, So there needs to be a system, I think, for everybody's benefit where there's just emeritus.
1: Yeah, somebody tweeted this out too. I follow, I guess I spent too much time on Twitter. They said, you know, Elder Holland has been hospitalized for the treatment of ongoing health complications. The church says, and somebody tweeted this out well don't they mean husband of the late patricia
3: holland
1: <laughs> would not that be more accurate
3: it would be more accurate but you know there's of course the idea that god keeps them in place um and uses them as long as he needs them and so they will not be removed and i don't think the church would ever suppose that they could remove them themselves by an emeritus status. But my question is, if President Holland does pass away, will his casket be front and center, or will he also be over to the side like Pat? I think it'll be really interesting to look at the differences, because I'm sure you talked about that red chair thrown, wow. some people were calling it, was pushed over so that he could sit by his family. He was still in that chair. So will his casket be in the front? Will there be a picture of him on his casket? You know, will he have an appropriate floral arrangement? None of those things really happened for his wife. So it'll be interesting to compare and contrast. If you,
1: yeah. If you look at President Monson's funeral, his casket was directly behind the lectern, okay. the most important position. Okay. The lectern really in general conference represents the church and the position of the most power. So whoever's directly behind that, that is considered the most powerful person. And President Monson, his casket was perpendicular to it and directly behind the podium, the position of most power. Sister uh, Holland, uh, her casket was way off to the side. It was not perpendicular to it. And instead, it was, you know, the the, the throne, the five golden, the five or 15 red chairs were, were in front of it as well. So... You know, uh, Landon, you did talk about uh, you you did talk about how this uh, uh, is going to affect who is going to become president of the church here. And somebody did a statistical analysis, really, of the predicted probability of becoming the church president. And this is, in my opinion, going to change the calculus. So obviously, President Nelson, he has a 70 percent chance of being a a church president uh, all the way up until about 2024. Then it's 40 percent and it drops down to 2025. He has a 20 percent and so forth and so on. And it shows who is going to become the president of the church using this kind of like an actuarial table. And Elder Holland, he had a 40% chance of being the church president in 2029 to 2030. I imagine that we could probably agree that that is less now. That's going to increase Elder Bednar's percent. His, his, um, you know The scope of his tenure or the probability of him becoming the church president is going to increase due to this particular case. What are your thoughts here, Landon, on how this is going to shake up uh, future church leadership? Yeah, there's there's
0: no doubt Bednar is 10 years younger than everyone around him, uh, and so it, it's almost uh, assured unless he he uh, has an early demise that he's going to to, to be the the president at some point. Uh, really, the the big question is who who's going to be it in, in between? Uh, with with so many that are 90 and over, it, it could change almost any day. Uh, With Uchtdorf being being in his 80s, uh, he's you know, he's got a chance, uh, especially with Holland going out. But uh, Bednar by far is is uh, going to be the president unless he, he meets with an early demise.
1: Yeah. And with what this chart shows is that whoever the next member of the quorum of the 15 is, because it's been like six years since the last one. Okay. The longer that it goes in between the next apostle dying and when we get the new apostle, the longer that it goes, whoever that new person is, their percentage in 2047 to 2050 is going to be astronomical just based on the fact that they got ordained much later than everyone else. Any any last thoughts on Elder Holland and all this, uh, Rebecca?
3: Um, Yeah, I just think my I think a lot of people really like Uchtdorf and that was my thought. Oh, you know, does he have a chance um, to maybe have a few years? So I would love to see that. But I agree. Apostle Watch. We need to look at the next person because they will be, you know, going into, like you said, the 50s. They're going to be they're going to be the man. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. Now, I have this from legend and rumor. I can't confirm this for sure. But Elder Holland in the hospital, um, he did release a statement and he said specifically that he doesn't want any taffy sent to him whatsoever. And I think that that um, we know that he has an eternal hatred of um, people who are kind of taffy. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that one, but that could. uh, Yeah. Well, you guys had bad jokes at the beginning, so I'm following this up with a bad joke.
3: Yeah. This whole episode is about bad jokes. No, so bad please jokes. send your gift baskets to Holland. Of course, please send them, but don't include any taffy.
1: No, no. And I do have one piece of advice for Jeff while he is in the hospital. Don't you dare go home early. Don't you dare.
3: Oh.
1: I, I, to, I seem I'm, to recall him saying that to other people in times past. I, I'm going to give him think, the same it advice It's a different now.
3: context. Oh. <laughs> a different context, I think. But, no, we love Elder Holland still, so.
1: Yeah, hope now he's going to he, be okay. We hope he's going to be okay, but not before we definitely don't want him to pass away before he secures his next wife. I mean, is that is that too much to ask for him to get married again? Is it too soon for that or is never too soon? I don't but- know.
3: I was curious, Landon and I talk about this sometimes how when wives pass away of the 12, they seem to marry very quickly and they seem to marry a person who's never, you know, age appropriate, 50s, but someone who's never been married before. So, we were curious if that's sort of a requirement.
1: Yeah, I mean, is he uh, scouring the BYU faculty uh, directory for those single gals in their 50s right now? Mm -hmm. Or did he have a a staff member bring him that BYU directory so that he could find a um, virginal 50s BYU faculty member to uh, make sure that he's taken care of? Because almost every time they get remarried, Oaks got remarried, uh, President Nelson got remarried. The only one that I'm familiar with who had a prolonged level of uh, his wife dying was Elder, I believe Elder Scott. Richard G. Scott, his wife died, and he did not get remarried for 20 years, I believe. I don't know that for a certainty, but I believe he's the only one I'm aware of who did not get remarried. So is that what we're expecting to see here, or what do you think?
0: Well, we know that from the Gospels the, uh, or from Mormon uh, theology that you have to have two to three wives to make the celestial kingdom. So if he hurries, he can still get uh, that second one in.
1: Yeah, that, that's true. You know, the only men who, you know, Brigham Young, the inspired counsel of Brigham Young, the only men who become gods, even the sons of God, are those who enter into polygamy. Inspired counsel from our former uh, president, which we can learn a lot more about, thanks to the fact that uh, the Church Magazine subscriptions, guys, uh, they're now available at no cost. Every household can receive the Liahona for the strength of youth and the friend at absolutely no charge. What do you think here, Rebecca?
3: Yeah, that was interesting news, because for many years, um, I would have family members that would send me these magazines, and I know a lot of family members do send magazines, even if people perhaps are more post-Mormons, so it's kind of received maybe a a mixed reaction, but now I feel, um, I feel, I already feel that the Liahona has taken definitely sort of a Christian magazine bent, and now they're just, they can be anywhere. They can be left in doctor's offices, dentist's offices, you know, they're just, a Christian magazine um, somebody pointed out that actually it wasn't somebody it was our wonderful accounting professor Spencer Anderson who does a lot of work with the widow's might and one of the church's goals is to have less of a you know environmental footprint and I feel like now there's going to be ten times as many magazines printed they're all for free everybody's gonna request them they're gonna send subscriptions to friends and I think there are going to be landfills now full of these printed copies so professor Spencer the widow's might was like, huh, this is not exactly the environmental mission that the churches have stated. So I thought that was an interesting angle to it.
1: Landon, for me, it's finally nice to see that all these enzyme peak returns are going to be put to good use by having all of these uh, uh, magazines. Am I right?
0: Yeah. And what better thing than a magazine that nobody ever reads magazines or newspapers anymore? So I guess that's maybe why they're putting them out for free.
1: Yeah, the church is finally joining the watchtower um, in providing uh, free tracks to the world that hardly anybody ever reads. You know, my wife, though, seriously, this was a coincidence. My wife did come up to me this week because I do take a couple of church. Actually, we have a number of church magazines. My favorite church magazine, personally, is BYU Magazine, and I also have a subscription to the... uh, Department of Education magazine, which comes out of BYU, which is called the McKay uh, magazine. And she's like, do you still want these? And I was like, yeah, I love the church magazines, you know. And uh, I guess now we can all bombard all of our friends with these magazines for subscriptions for years for free. I mean, we're going to be flooding the earth. We used to flood the earth with the Book of Mormon. I guess we're going to be flooding the earth with all of these slick magazines now, huh? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, church magazines are free now. You know, I saw this on I saw this on, uh uh, read it here. says, church magazines are free now. The members hear yeah, the members don't care. Oh, let, let me try that again. That's not my best uh, Scottish accent here. <laughs> church magazines are free. The members here, you, and the members don't care. That's the best <laughs> I can do. Is, is that racist? That was or, pretty good. That was, was, I, that, was that racist, or I gave it my I, best shot?
3: I don't know. I that character speaks with a with a Scottish accent. So I think you're okay in having just, you know, repeated what the character would say.
1: I gave I gave it my best shot. So like hey, for those of you out there, leave us a thumbs up, leave us a like, leave us a subscription. We really appreciate that. And that does take us to our next uh, our next article here. And this was uh you know, as you as you well know here, Trump has been indicted yet again in the news. But I found a surprising LDS. What does that have to do with Mormonism? I found a surprising LDS connection between Donald Trump getting indicted and the LDS church here. And I want, I want to get your thoughts on this. You guys tell me if I'm way out of line here, because I found this old church news article here from uh, 2011, which said uh, this is from the church news itself, says protect the Constitution. Elder Oaks asked religious groups to unite. And he says that it's supremely important founding principle is religious liberty, which we know Elder Oaks is a big fan of this. And look what we find here, guys. Elder Oaks on the right speaks with Dr. John C. Eastman of Chapman University prior to his speech at the School of Law. Um, Are you guys familiar with John Eastman at all?
3: Yeah. Now. (laughs) Yeah, we are now. I think you should explain to your viewers, though, exactly what that what who he is in case they don't know. And then they'll be uh, by the connection.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, John Eastman, first of all, uh, Colorado GOP attorney, uh, John Eastman. By the way, is it too early to talk about how studly he looks with those glasses, by the way? Is that too early? Okay, maybe not. Um, (laughs) He's an attorney and he is co-conspirator in the in the latest Trump indictment. There's six co-conspirators. I believe five of them have been officially named and i believe john eastman here is uh co-conspirator number two in trump's indictment um and his plot to overturn the 20 uh 2020 election here so yeah that that old picture there we had elder oaks hobnobbing with john eastman who is basically donald trump's go-to lawyer And basically, the lawyer who gave him a lot of apparently terrible advice, I'm not a lawyer, I didn't follow this case very carefully, but apparently gave him a lot of just really horrible advice, which is why he's also being indicted. Now we have, if you go back to that old photo, we have Elder Oaks and um, John Eastman hobnobbing. Um, What a connection. Wow. I, I couldn't believe it.
0: Well, nothing says protect the Constitution
1: like a coup against the government. That's what <laughs> I would <really think. laughs> Yeah, no, that, that's, that's, that's for sure. I did come up with a couple of memes here for you guys, which I want you guys to review, and let me know uh, your thoughts on these memes here. How about, you know, it's kind of like the Bobsy Twins here, you know? What are the Bobsy Twins? Sorry, I, I, what, what are the Bobsy Twins? That, that's a little bit before my time.
3: Yeah, it was a it was a series of books about just some oh. cute twins that had little adventures okay. together. So yeah, no, that's extremely accurate. Yeah, just having fun, having a good old time together. Yeah, yeah,
1: too so, yeah, a couple of a couple of old pals having some good old time. Or how about this one? Clum company managers unite. <laughs> I, that's kind of a miss. They're like not Clum company managers, but no. Best I could do. Best I could. Or how about this one? Two minds thinking as one. You know? Oh. That, that, that's, that's
3: inspiring, a, actually. That's an inspiring meme. Yes,
1: it is for sure. Or how about this one? Two peas in a pod.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, nice how
1: about birds? What is that saying? Birds of a fle- feather? What's that saying? <laughs> yeah, flock
3: together. together. Yeah, yeah, that's right. birds
1: of a feather because other uh, uh, oaks, you know, we had the SEC fine debacle where the church was fined for... Um, basically uh, hoarding a dragon's hoard without reporting to the government. And, of course, Elder Oaks is basically the chief legal counsel for the church. You know, you can say it's Kurt McConkie, but it really isn't. President Oaks is really the chief legal counsel. So we have two birds of a feather. One is uh, helping to overthrow the government. Another one is helping to hide billions of dollars. The birds of a feather, they're they're really flocking together. Or, you know, John Eastman talking, hiding billions? And now here's how I would do it. (laughs) just an inspiring connection
3: that.
1: Yeah. yeah an inspiring connection between those two uh, i find that to be heartwarming to see those two together and i hope that they have many more adventures going forward speaking of the law we're introducing a new segment here in the mormon news roundup called the oh let me check my notes here a new segment is called the church lawsuit ticker now some of the other mormon uh related news um uh, programs have temple tickers where they tell you what's going on with the temples. I prefer lawsuit ticker and our latest lawsuit here, guys, this is from uh, the church has filed a second, yeah. second lawsuit against the city of Cody, Wyoming, Rebecca, what is, go- what is going on in Cody, Wyoming? It's a mess up there.
3: Oh, yeah, we're really interested in this scenario. In fact, Mormonish is going to be putting out an episode really soon. Um, you know, a temple was announced in 2021. It's, it's supposed to be built on a hill. It has a 110-foot spire. It's going to be lit up all night. You know how I'm very protective over dark skies. And there's a. it's also in a, a residential area, in a neighborhood, with very little access in and out. And so um, a citizen's group protect our Cody neighborhoods. Is that right, Landon? Is that the acronym? Yes. POCN. Yes. Um, They've, They're trying to just say, look, you know, we have zoning laws. We have things in place. You've got to comply. We want you to figure this out and and relocate it to somewhere else. So um, the church, this is the second lawsuit now that they filed against this zoning committee. The zoning committee is just doing their due process. You know, they're going, they're following their city ordinances. They're following the laws. Um, However, there are some LDS members um, on the committee um, and involved there in that process. Who have not recused themselves and so it's a fight it's an absolute fight and this is the second lawsuit now against the zoning board saying you know that they're they're not acting correctly that it was illegal some of the things that they passed, that the vote isn't correct so if anybody would like to get involved um, you can look at POCN protect our Cody neighborhoods on Facebook and um, they just put out they have a barcode if you'd like to financially donate because as we know It's sort of a David and Goliath. There are unlimited funds on the other side to get this passed through. This is just a town regular town budget trying to say, look, we're trying to protect our our pristine, I mean, beautiful Cody area and Landon has been there before, you know, a certain type of architecture, just a certain look and feel, you know, and the dark skies, it's just a travesty, I feel. Also not only financial donations, but simply to send emails to the city council there and to the zoning board and they have all the city email addresses. They have the points that they're trying to make, The, the really unfortunate part is that it looks like the church there, um, local members are fighting back by crying religious persecution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have put out articles that are saying, you know, this is like racism. This is, you know, really not great things that they're saying. And and in our interactions with some of the people on this neighborhood committee, they're like, we're all different religious domin- denominations. If any of our religions were trying to put this building on this hill, we would say, no, this does not fit in with our, our plan. This does not work for this area. So it is not religious discrimination. It's simply city zoning, follow the laws of the land. So I would encourage everybody, boy, I sound like I'm in a soapbox, but I do having talked to this people really feel their pain. And so you can go to protect our Cody neighborhoods. I think you can Google it. I think there's a website for sure. It's on Facebook, send some emails, tell them what you think, you know, I mean, it does make a difference. And if you can help financially, you can do that too. Cause they're in a fight, a huge fight.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's actually the Preserve Our Cody, uh, our oh, Cody Neighborhood. Preserve. Yeah. Okay. Thank and you. Landon, in the mouth of two or three lawsuits shall every temple be established. I think that's in the New Testament, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it is. We we
0: know that how much they love lawyers in the New Testament. And that's been part of the issue As is I've talked to this group. Uh, I've talked to members of the church there in the Cody community, as well as uh, to some of the people who are fighting it. And, uh, the people who are fighting it are just dumbfounded. They are going, how is this a church that is treating people this way? Uh, they came out and said that they would abide by whatever decisions the uh, uh, that the government board there uh, decided. And as soon as they make a decision, the church sues them. Uh, now they're on their second lawsuit. And it is unfortunate because the city planner there is LDS, as well as one of the board members, his LDS, and that board member is refusing to recuse himself from the votes, even though one of the other board members who has been opposed to this had to recuse himself because the church hired his uh, surveying company uh, that he works for to do some of the surveying on the church, which represented a financial gain for him, so he had to recuse himself. But evidently, Uh, Making a solemn covenant to build up the kingdom of God on earth uh, does not qualify as a reason to recuse yourself from uh, vote in the government uh, body here. And uh, these people are just astounded as they watch the church try to bully them into how their neighborhood should be. And, of course, we've seen what Salt Lake has done uh, with the downtown Salt Lake area around the temple Uh, how they get to decide what Salt Lake is going to look like and what their community is going to look like, but they refuse to let this community decide how their community should look. The church knows best, and the church is going to ramrod this temple on this hill that's going to completely uh, ruin the look and feel of this town that was founded by Buffalo Bill Cody. His saloon is there. His hotel is there. The museum for Buffalo Bill, the Museum of the West is there. This is a a Western town, and it's got this temple that looks like it's out of Mexico uh, sitting on a hill lit up at
1: night. It really ruins the ambience of this town. Yeah, whenever um, this is what I tweeted out onto uh, YouTube, and by the way, we we release all of our episodes on YouTube on Sunday nights at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can interact with us then um, in the live chat. And I tweeted this out, or I, I posted this a couple days ago on YouTube, that the LDS church has filed a second lawsuit against the city of Cody. And I said, whenever I encounter a tough moral or ethical gospel question, I just read my scriptures, say a prayer, and ask, who would Jesus sue? (laughs)
3: WWJF. Who would Jesus
1: sue? (laughs) And I got people who tweeted back and said, well, Jesus would definitely sue the city council because of religious persecution. Okay, so I just want to address that for just a moment. Nobody is saying that you can't worship God, that you can't build a building, that you can't peacefully. Assemble or or re, uh, you know worship God how when or what you will the question is will you be able to do so in accordance with already established city ordinances everyone has to follow ordinances in, in a municipality and th- this isn't about religious persecution. If you wanna build a temple or a building that doesn't have uh, over a 100 foot spire, you know, it's 35 feet spire plus, plus uh, 35 feet is the top of the building plus a 70 foot spire. If you wanted to just build a 20 foot tall building, 30 foot tall building, nobody would say anything. It has nothing to do with, with the religion whatsoever. It doesn't matter what's going on inside of the building. It's the look of the building. It's the lighting of the building. This has nothing to do with religious persecution. That's correct. I I think even if they remove the steeple,
0: they might still have a problem because there is it it is a a limited road access. And this is a commercial building that's going to have a lot of traffic going in and out and operates from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. And will be lit during those hours. So I think the neighbors still have a legitimate concern, even if the steeple is removed. But the point they made is we have a lot of areas in Cody that are already zoned for exactly this type of structure if they just put it there nobody would have been uh, complaining it's the fact that they're trying to put this in an area where it's not zoned uh, to be and the church is trying to to make changes to so it's really about the temple being on a hill where it can be seen from everywhere
3: right. yeah and, and also the issue is of course they prayed about where the site of the temple would be and the lord told them it would be there Ironically, that's a site where the land is owned by an LDS member who was able to donate it. So that worked out perfectly. <laughs> and, and that's part. Of, yeah. Um, so that's part of it, too. Also, this is one of the gateways to Yellowstone. This is one of the pristine you know, pass throughs as you enter that whole experience of Yellowstone, which possibly may be why they want it to be so visible there. And it's absolutely why the town people do not want it to be there. They want to just preserve that wonderful experience as people drive in and enter and enter Yellowstone. So,
1: yeah, I saw this change.org petition that went along with this, that was launched just this week. And it says, uh, Mm -hmm. stand with Cody, Wyoming against the church of Jesus Christ, of Latter-day Saints. It's only got a couple of hundred petitions on there, but, um, it says, you know, this is a small town with less than 12,000 people. Um, we do not want to have a temple. We've declined the building permits. So we don't want the light pollution. We don't want a 10-story spire that would change the landscape forever. And that's the thing about all of these temples is they will change the character of the small town permanently. Hey, permanently. permanently. These temples are um, basically never torn down. There's We've never really had a temple except for Kirtland, or except for Nauvoo, which burned down, but it was rebuilt. We have the, we have the Samoa Temple, which was burned down, it was rebuilt. Anytime you invite a temple on, that is a permanent establishment of the church there. It's kind of like the US military. Once they invade someplace, they never seem to leave. So yeah, I mean, this is kind of the last chance for the people of Wyoming to try to determine their own fate. Any, any last thoughts on this one, guys? Yeah, I
0: just want to clarify. It's not that they don't want a temple. The people I've talked to all said a, a temple is fine. A house of worship is fine. It just needs to go in the right place. Okay. Right.
3: And I just want to say again, it is preserve our Cody neighborhoods. I'm sorry that I got that wrong. Everybody, please go to Facebook, uh, P-O-C-N. And these are these are just Wonderful people just trying to protect the look and feel of their town. And interestingly, I will say this, um, they, they had their own uh, petition there locally and everybody signed it that was right there in that county. And then I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Landon, that the church had some kind of a survey and they had to go to many neighboring counties, you know, to get signatures. And am I right on this, Landon?
0: That, that's correct. Uh, most of the yeah, members I, don't live in Cody per se. Right. In that area. They, they live in the more remote counties. Uh, some of exactly. the settlements were settled by uh, Mormon uh, settlers, uh, but those are in counties that are not in Cody right. itself. So the majority yeah. of the Cody people uh, signed a petition that they didn't want uh, it there in, in the Cody area, but the, they went to the surrounding counties and got petitions. Right. To write who who
3: are not even impacted, who who can't even see it. So they, they d- could not find enough people to, to sign it locally who were impacted. So yeah, it's, it's, Read about it, everybody. If you haven't, it's a really interesting situation and help if you can.
1: Yeah. And uh, while you're at it, leave us a five star. If you're listening to this on podcasts, on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify for both of our podcasts, either the Mormonish podcast or the Mormon News Roundup, will you please leave us a five star review and let us know your thoughts on our podcast? We very be very grateful for that. And we also have another temple that's in the news as well here. And this was uh, from Meridian Magazine or Latter-day Saint Mag, Meridian Magazine latter-day saints shaping the world and this is the the newest house of the lord in washington state is opening its doors to the public another temple opening here in washington and the way that they're referring to temples is uh kind of changed recently hasn't it rebecca
3: It has. And I made this prediction a long time ago that they would start calling them the House of the Lord acronym as H.O.L. Of course. And this temple is going in kind of in my neck of the woods where I grew up. So that's kind of interesting. But, yeah, I do question um, the use of the acronym. You know, will that replace the You know, I don't know. Would you say hall hall going for a hall recommend or a whole recommend? I'm not sure. It's interesting. New acronym, I think.
1: House of the Lord. H.O.T.L. I think
3: a lot couple? of people take out the T, yeah, and they would just say hull, I think. Huddle? Anyway.
1: Hotel,
0: yeah. if you keep the T. Hotel! And, yeah. Hotel. <laughs>
3: yeah. You check in, but you I never I thought Marriott
0: was the hotel of the Lord, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point, for sure.
1: And the church has bought, actually, uh, a couple of the Marriott Hotel, uh, large Mar- Marriott Hotel properties from the Marriotts themselves. I do wonder if they got a good deal on the purchase. I imagine that they did. I don't know that for a fact. Um, We have uh, two last articles to get through here. We're trying to do all of this news in just uh, one hour, which is tough to do, but uh, you come to the right source if you want to do it. This is a rather um, tragic story here. Liam uh, Mildenstein, Mildenstein, I hope I'm saying that right here. Um, His funeral and his mission. This is a really sad case here. um, Help us fund a completely unexpected funeral expense for Liam um, Mildenstein. He was 19 years old here. Let me read you from the article here. 19 years old, eagerly anticipating opening his mission call, hoping with all of his heart that it would be in Japan. He drove with his immediate family from Miami to Provo. He opened his mission call in front of everyone, and when he read the words Tokyo, Japan, his big heart just gave out. He fell backwards to the floor, and despite the best efforts of medical personnel, he never regained a pulse. He literally died opening his mission call. That is one of the most tragic stories that I've come across.
3: Yeah, it's extremely sad. I get really upset. I think like most of us do when I read about missionaries that have um, died in the field. I just, I mean, I have a missionary out now myself. Even, Even when I'm not a missionary mom, I'm just... It's just so tragic, and I feel so much for the parents. And reading this, I just thought, oh, my God, like they said, this this kid, it was his absolute dream. And and I I think they'll probably do an autopsy and try to figure out, but just tragic all the way around. I can't even imagine what the family and the friends that had gathered went through at that moment from just incredible joy to uh, the most tragic circumstance. So I I think it's really, really sad and tragic, and I almost can't even think about it because it's too sad to me. (laughs)
1: Wow. Um, very, very sad, Landon. You know, he, he had no health. He had no, this is a family from the uh, DailyMail.co. Um, and this was covered by the Salt Lake Tribune. It was covered quite in quite a bit of places here. He had apparently no preconditions. He had no health complications. He just, you know, the excitement of a mission call can o- or just kind of overwhelmed him. And then, you know, he just, um, he never, he never regained a pulse. And that's a pretty sad story here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Horrible. Now,
1: I, I do. I just have one thing that I want to uh, br- bring into question here, and that's um, they they said that they did a GoFundMe page for this young man here. The GoFundMe page was for thirty thousand now, dollars. Now, far be it for me to poo poo on anyone's tragedy here, but I do have a bit of a question of this particular number here. In fact, it, they've already gone past the goal. They've raised forty thousand dollars for this for this young man and his funeral expenses. Um, an average funeral in the United States is about $10,000, maybe $8,000, $10,000. I'm just, I I just wonder why is it that we're raising $30,000, $40,000 for a funeral expense? I mean, typically a casket, I happen to know this pretty well, a casket is usually $5,000 and and maybe a plot of land would be a similar amount. I, I just wonder why are we raising so much money? Am I just... Am I way off base here or am I? No, I, I have
3: a thought. I have a thought that just came to me just now. So it said that he traveled from Miami to Provo. Now, if he is going to be buried in another location, I've gone through this with a grandparent where we had to, you know, transport them after they would passed away to another location to be buried. And there are additional expenses that are incurred when you actually have to move someone across the country in this um, in this sad situation so i wonder if that might not be part of it just the expenses and the travel and and that possibly
1: okay or how about this uh you know how about the church step up and pay for this funeral this this was your missionary okay so why doesn't the church reach into the 160 billion dollars in enzyme p and instead of scraping up more money from the members to cover and pay for this family why doesn't the church says you know what We're going to take care of this missionary. We're going to take care of his family and we're going to make sure that everything is done properly. How about that instead of a change instead of a GoFundMe page?
3: Yeah, well, we know medical expenses are an issue with missionaries and ongoing problems with medical issues after the mission. That could be a whole nother episode about how that is covered in a very haphazard way. So I would imagine that that's the same take on funerals too. just not going to go there.
0: I'm wondering how much they spent on Pat Holland's
1: funeral expenses compared to this missionary?
3: Yeah, that
1: is a a fabulous question. You know, fabulous question. Okay, now we have two last articles here to finish up. And uh, the first one here, this was uh, very, very interesting. It was uh, put out here on on Reddit and this is the church security department here, CSD. And uh, these these gentlemen here, they are usually trotted out here for uh, when the general authorities have uh, important uh, things to go to like parades and they're just flanked by church security officers and I guess I just wasn't aware of the level that the general uh, of the security that the general authorities have because I don't live in Utah anymore did you guys see this stuff? We Landon did.
3: has some very strong views on this. We went with a group from the Good Book Club and Mormonish podcast to the Days of 47 parade, which we had never seen before. And Landon had some uh, very strong observations about what you just described. Go ahead, Landon.
0: <laughs> yeah, We watched the parade. We saw this uh, motorcade coming down the street and we assumed that it must be the governor. Uh, there were all these men dressed in black with sunglasses. There were some bourbons with uh you know, lights, uh, you know, kind of the flashing lights and security details in them. And when it passed, it actually ended up being uh, uh, who was it? D. Todd
3: Christopherson. D.
0: Todd Christopherson, (laughs) who was the parade commissioner or whatever uh, for the days of 47 parade. And you would have thought it was the president of the United States. He had what uh, one of our members termed the sacred service uh, guarding him as they walked along. And uh, the funny thing was of few floats later came the congressman from Utah, not a single cop, not a single security detail, no protection whatsoever. So evidently, uh, uh, fifth level, sixth level uh, in line for the prophet apostle gets, uh, is more important than a U.S. congressman as far as uh, needing protection. Uh, so I'm not sure who was going to attack Christofferson but evidently they were expecting something to happen. Yeah. In uh, a
3: theocracy, in a theocracy, that is where the protection is. Right. In a theocracy.
1: Well, your son doesn't have any uh, church security assigned to him in his missionary uh, time, does he, uh, Rebecca?
3: No, he got bit by a dog. He's been run off porches with a shotgun. He has no security unless you believe the story of the, you know, three Nephites standing behind missionaries. Right. A very faith promoting rumor that there's that security.
0: I thought it was part of being an apostle to be a martyr for your faith. So it yeah. seems uh, a little odd that you need security
1: uh. at this point. Yeah, it's amazing here. You look at the church security. There's got like five, six of these guys surrounding even just one apostle. And then you zoom in. Somebody zoomed in here on the church security. They're wearing a, a, a badge here that looks like like an FBI, except for it's got the angel Morona. It's called CSD Church Security. These guys look like they're Secret Service officers.
3: Yeah, oh, I, I picked up on that and I, I posted that and I said, I feel like if you're wearing a security a church security badge with an golden angel on it, the only kind of weapon you should be allowed to carry is a flaming sword. That would my observation. That would make a lot
1: of sense. That
3: would I make think that perfect you. sense. And visually that would be pretty amazing. I mean, can you <laughs> picture that? If-
0: yeah. I think they showed up later when the when the Samoan group came through with their dancing and their flaming. Oh, the fight, that
3: was amazing. There were, the parade was actually, it was really cool. We had never been before. There was a lot of interesting floats. So.
1: Yeah, so money, uh, uh, an extreme amount of money is being spent on church security. If you have six security officers that are surrounding just one apostle, that's a tremendous amount of money. But when a missionary opens his mission call and dies, he's just on his own. So it just shows the level of priority that, uh, that I see in the church. That just brings us to our final article. And you guys also have the inside scoop on this here, too, as well. You guys got all the scoops here. Latter-day Saint Young Single Adult Conference is filling up with some events sold out. Now, this was originally scheduled for the Lavelle Edwards uh, Center there, but they were worried that it wouldn't quite fill up as much as they had. And this just took place here just this last weekend. You guys have the scoop on this, too.
3: Yeah, boy, uh, they were not wrong when they were concerned about filling up. So um, Landon and my husband and I and some others went and, and did some things in Salt Lake last night. And typically, for fun, my husband and I will ride sort of a commuter train from Utah County into Salt Lake. And then we meet our friends there and drive around. So on the way back, we tried to ride that train, but the concert had just let out. And there were, I cannot even describe the number of youth that, and these are single young adults that were there. On that train, as we were to, typically, there's no one there. It's 11 o'clock at night. We just get in, we zip back to Utah County. But yeah, it was crazy. These kids were awesome. We were laughing the whole time, and half of them had been left on the platform because the train was so full, and they had to send in another special train um, to take everybody back. Interestingly, I was talking to a lot of kids on the train. I said, "This reminds me. If you guys remember back in May, there was a special address for President Nelson at the conference center, and a similar thing happened. So many." kids went there. Um, The traffic was terrible. There were too many kids outside. People couldn't get in. There was heat stroke, that kind of issue. So the kids were kind of reminiscing about these events that they're all flocking to to attend. And then there's these kind of major, just, I don't know, coordination organization issues. But um, all the kids got home. It was really fun to interact with them. Um, And we had driven past, hadn't we, Landon, the Delta Center, I believe. Is that where it was? The Delta, the Delta is it still Center, called yes. the Delta Center? Energy Center again,
1: yeah. Energy. Yeah, and I think... Oh, Energy Solutions yeah. Arena,
0: right? But they've, they've ch- Delta's it buying it again. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> isn't
3: that crazy? So I think, Landon, you can describe, because I think you're on that side, just everyone coming out of the concert and, and their demeanor and what they looked like.
0: Yeah, we made the mistake of driving past right as they were coming out. Yeah. It was a huge crowd, and I should state what this was. It was a One Republic concert. Um, yes, yeah. and so it was. Our understanding is it was a very Christian show where they would stop and they'd do a gospel song, then they'd do one a more pop song, and they'd have scripture reading and different things in there. So uh you know one republic is is not really known i guess for their gospel music but uh that was what they had included in this show and it was part of the ticket that the kids got when they signed up for this conference
1: yeah i thought i yeah. thought it was Vivint arena now Vivint, i thought it damn. went from energy so,
0: solution to Vivint, and i don't know if it's changed back to delta or okay. it's going to but my understanding is yeah. delta has bought it it's again so
3: Anyway, no. a venue insult, like, but I, you know, knowing I was coming on the Roundup, did try to do some reporter on the ground, right? So I did talk to some of the kids, I call them kids. These are young single adults. These are like BYU, UVU students. So they've graduated from high school. To me, still a kid. And so I talked to some of the kids there waiting and they all said it was amazing. It was just wonderful. It was uplifting, um, very Christ-centered. All of them seemed really energized and pumped up from the concert. And then I ran into some people that um, landed in and I had met at Sunstone and they were telling us as adults they had gotten tickets they were probably the only adults there and they had a very different take kind of what Landon had said Uh, maybe different take is wrong but yes very a very Christian concert like you wouldn't even really know that you were at an LDS venue there was really no mention of that it was a lot of just feel-good songs and then some you know scriptural quotes um, a lot of talk of Jesus in between but they said it was absolutely compared to the kinds of things that we used to do to go to his kids, right, where all the music was LDS music, Um, it was very LDS centric. This was, they said it almost was non-denominational. It seemed like just an evangelical kind of a, just a feel-good event. So I thought that was interesting, that perspective, but the kids seemed to love it. And it's the first of this, there were four four or five events in this whole series for young adults. So there's going to be fireside, a dance. When you purchase your ticket, you get to go to all these events. And so, you know, I think they're just trying to connect these kids, um, get them talking, get them dating. I would say that riding that train together, I would hope that maybe some connections happened. I mean, if you're standing like that with somebody, Maybe you're going to get to know each other, right? Some of
0: might
3: I'm not kidding. I feel like I have to talk to the bishop. I mean, we were squished and it was hot. Some of the kids were, you know, I felt like they were, I kind of went into mom mode. I kind of like, okay, everybody, it's okay. Try to stand up. The fan is up here. You can feel the air from there. And, and when a stop would come up, um, my husband and I would try to help people like, okay, move to the side, let these people through that need to make it to the door. You know, we were trying to, trying to facilitate. It so it wasn't so uncomfortable. But yeah, it was a really funny experience just to ride, you know, for about half an hour with all these awesome kids from Utah County.
1: And it was like fifty dollars a ticket, right, Landon? Fifty bucks. It's fifty dollars, I believe,
0: for the, for the whole- entire
1: four weeks.
0: Uh, there's something every weekend, and so you know, for a one Republic ticket, uh, fifty bucks plus the other things they have going on. That's uh, really affordable. And that's
1: a right. lot. Cheaper and I remember. Than- oh, sorry. That's a lot cheaper. than I was going to say, I remember dinners. reading.
3: Uh-oh, don't go there. <laughs> I said. Don't go there.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> of course, you have to pay 10% tithing on top of that, but... Uh... <laughs>
3: You do. But I do remember reading a a month or so ago that they were having trouble selling these tickets like they were concerned. So they had put letters out to bishops of singles wards, get everybody to go. And some people were pushing back going, oh, you're trying to make these kids pay. You know, they can't afford it. But I think a a lot of things that I read, then the kids were saying, you know, it's worth it just for the concert, like what Landon said. And then on top of that, you get these other events and chances to connect. So and now I think I'm reading from the article you put up. It looks like some things are even you know, some venues are sold out or or, you know, it seems like it's doing well. So it's going to be well attended.
1: That sounds absolutely fantastic. Hey, guys, have we ruminated well enough on the Great and Spacious Beehive this week?
3: I think so. There was a lot.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Well, I want to thank you guys so much for coming on. I'm going to be looking forward greatly to uh, what you guys have, especially on the Mormonish podcast on the Good Book Club. You guys do so many uh, great things over there. And uh, I want to shout out to Weird Alma for this episode's music. Um, thanks so much for being here and remember, remember, no one of hand can stop this podcast from progressing so long when it comes to nicknames of the church
0: such as LDS Church the Mormon Church to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's Church is a major victory for Satan
1: Satan Satan Satan, Satan.
0: Hey there brothers and sisters, thanks for listening to the Mormon News Roundup, and if you are enjoying this show, please consider making a donation. Patreon makes an important contribution to helping us ruminate on the great and spacious beehive here, so thanks so much to everyone for, for supporting us on patreon.com.